I'm gonna vlog 12! Shorty, it's my birthday on Wednesday. I can't wait. I'm gonna be 37. I know, I don't even look it. I'm having a huge party. You're all invited. Well, you're not. There is a guest list, but. Come, eat cake. Bear with. These are really good. Anyway, back to the blog. Have you noticed that The Strand is all about female-empowered theatre? With Waitress, 9to5 and Amelia all dominating the street. And I saw two of them this week. First up, 9to5. What a way to make a living. Dolly Parton is back to present her own musical. She wrote the music and lyrics for this musical after appearing in the first film. I'll admit, I saw it a couple of years ago above the gatehouse and didn't really think much of it. But I had high hopes for this production. With Dolly on board, you can kind of expect they're gonna throw everything at it, and then some. As she always said, it costs a lot of money to make something look that cheap. Not that I thought it looked that cheap, but I didn't really get a sense that we were in the 80s. Tom Rogers, who designed this, also designed Adrian Mole at the Chocolate Factory. And I thought the set and design of that was incredible. With this, it's just a bit basic. To be honest, the whole show is a bit basic. It feels like it's been dumbed down for an audience. You've got Dolly Parton on TV screens narrating the story and introducing all the characters as if we couldn't follow it ourselves. I mean, the plot isn't that extensive. I was there on Monday for Louise Redknapp's first night back after rejoining the group following a bizarre accident where she split her chin open. In the meantime, Carolyn Sheen had been taken over the role. To be honest, it's one of these situations where I kind of wish I'd seen it last week with Caroline. Amber Davies didn't really inspire me with confidence either. It's one of these things where you watch a leading lady I said this before about my blog when I talked about Leighton Williams and Jamie. What impresses me about him is he really commands the stage and you really get that sense that the company trust him. With Amber, I didn't really sense that. She is known for Love Island, but she did train at Erdang and she has got a great voice and she does a good job. But her lack of experience, perhaps, Confidence does come through a little bit. Natalie McQueen is exceptional and completely steals the show. She's hilarious. There are moments where you feel like she's pushing a bit too far, but I think that is down to the direction and audience response. Because you've got Brian Connolly as well, who and, of course, Bonnie Langford, who is exceptional. But they play up to the characters, they play up to the audience, and it just becomes a bit cheap. But, like I said, they're only going on what the audience is giving back, and the audience were in raptures. I was there, it was sold-out performance, everybody was loving it. There were a lot of talented people in that ensemble, like any show, who are perhaps underplayed.
and underused. I mean, it's only on for a limited run and then it goes on tour. It's a crowd pleaser. Dolly Parton is an incredible songwriter and the songs are catchy and infectious. And yeah, you will enjoy it. I guarantee. Next, I'm going to talk about Amelia, which I saw on Wednesday night. Now, this is a transfer from the Globes production straight into the Vaudeville Theatre. And it's incredible. There is a trend at the moment to do these type of productions. You've had six. You had Wasted last year at the Suffolk Playhouse. Obviously, they're all following the template set out by Hamilton that you can retell a historical story and historical events and historical characters in this new, diverse way. And it works. I actually thought it was going to be a musical, but it's a play. It's the untold story of Amelia Bassano. I won't go into details because you just need to go and watch the show to find out more about her, if you don't already know. This is British theatre at its best. I loved it. If you're a fan of Shakespeare in Love or Blackadder, the humour is there in abundance. And what makes this production so special is that it's all female cast and an all female creative team. And they know just what they're doing. It's pitch perfect. It feels like a rally cry, a call to arms. Everything about it just makes you want to get out of your chair and raise the roof because honestly, I was blown away, definitely. Go and see it. I don't know how long it's on for, but it is definitely worth checking out. Also watching Amelia on Wednesday was Ben Hewis, who was so inspired by the production that he has now set up an initiative. He is developing a scheme which will enable young women to see the production for free. By setting up a GoFundMe account, he's asking the general public to make donations which will all go towards funding these tickets for these young women. It's a brilliant scheme. And in the first day, they had over £1,000. If you'd like to get involved and donate, have a look at Ben's Twitter page and also check out the link on my blog. It's a brilliant incentive to get young women to see this show so that they can learn and be inspired by the message of empowerment delivered in it. But I don't think it's restricted to just young women. This is a show that young men need to see as well, to be able to recognise when women deserve and need to take their power. This is a show for everybody. And I hope that this scheme will trigger similar ones to enable everybody to see this show. Sticking with women in theatre, the National Theatre has come under fire this week. Their new programme consists of six plays, all directed by men, with only one directed by female. A joint open letter addressing this has been drafted and written by six women. Stella Duffy, Jennifer Lund, Deborah McAndrews, Jennifer Toxvick, Shelley Silas and Anthea Stevens have all come together to write a open letter to the National Theatre to address this issue. On Tuesday, I was at the King's Head to watch Undetectable, a new play written by Tom Wright and directed by Ricky Beadle Blair. Now, the pair have worked together a couple of times, most recently at the Park Theatre for My Dad's Gap Year. 
Now this is a story all about intimacy and sex in a modern day gay relationship. And it's something that really interests me. I don't know if I've told you, but I'm a gay man and live in London. And I'm in this world, this ever-changing landscape of dating and intimacy and friendships with gay men. And believe me, they're complex. Now, this isn't the first time that the Kings had, had tackled this subject. They've done it before with Five Guys Chilling and the Chemsex Monologues. And this is a very similar story. It's a two-hander set in just over an hour. The problem with that is they tried to fit too many topics and too many subjects into an hour. If you look at The Inheritance, there was a reason why it was seven hours long. They managed to, like, let things land and let things breathe and explore the topics fully. With Tom's piece, I just felt you were being given too much information and it was a bit conflicting and overwhelming. And there were a lot of buzzwords just shoehorned in there. Felt like you were being given a lecture which is very tricky because obviously the piece is very informative and there's a lot of information which he's trying to get across. Also, there were elements where I just didn't believe the characters. For a good writer, you need to observe how people talk and in certain environments. In this production, you've got two gay men who have been dating for three months. They've come home after a night of drinking and this is a conversation that follows. What you don't get from these actors is the believability that they are talking to each other. They're very articulate. They're, they know exactly what they're trying to say, which in general conversation doesn't really happen, especially not when you're drunk. For me, that didn't work. But there was a section which had a flashback where it came into its own and Ricky's direction came alive. The use of the lighting and the movement and the connection between the characters then was a lot more believable and really lifted the entire performance. There was also the problem of the nudity. There's a lot of nudity in this. For most of the show, they're in the underwear and for moments, they're in less than that. And not that I'm a prude, but it is a bit distracting and unnecessary. The moments where I was actually more engrossed in the performances was during the flashback where they kept their jeans on. When they bared all, I just felt a bit distracted. As did the two women in front of me who literally made yummy noises. But it was nice to see women in the King's Head Theatre, especially watching a play about this. Because this is a problem with this topic. It's serves, in my opinion, to educate and inform people about this whole world that they might not have ever experienced or encountered. And with this, it does attract gay men who perhaps already know all about that. And I'd like to see an audience come who don't know anything about it. Because I feel that is how we all learn. So yeah, so it's great to see women coming and watching and enjoying the penis. So on Wednesday was National Theatre Day. Not only did I manage to see Amelia in the West End, I saw a workshop presentation on the afternoon 
of a brand new piece of writing also by an all-female creative and cast. Directed by Torielle Martin and written by Rebecca Wells, this was her first draft and she was presenting it as a staged reading with a cast of five women, including Millie Thomas, who I talked about in my blog last week. Millie has worked at the Theatre 503 before and has had recent success with her one-woman show, Dust, which transferred from the Soho Theatre to the Trafalgar Studios. The play was set in a women's crisis meeting where you brought five very different women together and Rebecca has drawn on her poetic style of writing. It was an interesting piece. I love seeing stuff like this at this early stage and then following the progression and seeing how it develops and evolves. It was the same with Liv Ward, who produced Anomaly recently at the Red Lion. I saw earlier drafts in that. Compared to the end result, it was such a departure. So this will be very interesting to see where it goes and how it develops. Theatre 503 is in Battersea and it's a bit off the beaten track, but they do have a really good success rate. One of their earlier productions, Rotterdam, won them an Olivier for Best Affiliated Theatre and is now going on tour later this year, written by John Britton. Check it out if you didn't manage to see it when it was at the Arts Theatre, because it is a brilliant piece. Also this week, I managed to catch up with Jordan Lee Davies. I have known him for years and still managed to get his name wrong. Hello. Hello, bonjour. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Just a Lee Davies. Hello. Who? Is that... Huh? Jordan? Yeah. Like I said, actually, I Justin. can't do with that. I do uh, that every uh, time. Cut. Let's do that again. I've known you long enough. I should know your name by now. Uh, uh, Let's start uh, again. Yeah. I'm such an idiot. Anyway, Jordan was on great form, telling me all about the show he's in at the moment called Romance Romance, which you can catch until the 6th of April at Above the Stag. The other day I paused on stage because I was like, nope, the train is not wrecking the moment I say I love you. So I do that. Nope, I'm holding it, Blair. We're holding the eye contact. And the train's gone. I do love you. Um, so yeah, that's really nice. Love it. It's a lovely show. Come and watch. Come and watch. The rest of the interview is on my YouTube channel. So I've talked a lot about formidable women in theatre this week. And there's none more so than Katie Lipson. She's brought her production of Hair to Wimbledon before embarking on an 18 tour around the UK. Now this show started life at the Hope Mill Theatre before transferring last year to mark the 50th anniversary of the production with an immersive version at the Vaults Festival. And to say it's 50 years old is extraordinary because it feels incredibly fresh. Katie should be really, really proud. I don't know anybody who works as hard and as passionately as she does when it comes to producing musical theatre. And this production is really something special. It's something to be celebrated. Making his musical theatre debut is Jake Quickenden. You may be familiar with Jake from TV reality shows like I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and Dancing on Ice, but it's easy to forget that he actually started out as a singer in The X Factor. He's now playing Berger, who was previously played by Andy Coxon, and before that, Ryan Anderson. And he really can deliver. He looks incredible, goes without saying. But he can act, and he can sing. And he commands the part of Berger. 
Also joining the cast is X Factor star Marcus Collins. I remember seeing Marcus in Kinky Boots when it first opened in London, and I think he's incredible. His voice is effortless, and he's so sassy. Love it. Playing the part of Claude this time is my little arts head buddy, Paul Wilkins. He went straight into Les Mis after graduating from arts ed and is now playing a part that you wouldn't imagine him throwing himself into this part. He's even had a short back and sides and looks rather dishy. The standout, though, for me, had to be Natalie Green. She's been with the production for all three versions and she is incredible. I remember seeing her at Freedom singing Chandelier and her voice is stunning. So it's amazing to see her back and she looked gorgeous at the after party. What I will say about Katie Lipson and why I admire her, she always brings people back. In this production in particular, she's kept Gareth Brefferton on, who's been her MD since the production started in the Hope Mill Theatre. This is only her second commercial touring production, the other being Adam's Family, which started at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Jonathan O'Boyle directs and Will Welton choreographs, and they're doing a beautiful job. I shouldn't really single out anybody because the, the entire cast are incredible, but Bradley Judd really stands out for me. Now again, Katie Lipson's hired him before in Yank and Pippin, and you can see why she keeps bringing him back. I saw him singing at an evening with Stephen Schwartz a couple of weeks ago, and he really impressed me. It's colourful, it's vibrant, it's just a feel-good show with some classic songs that you're bound to recognise. If you get a chance to see it, it probably will be coming to a city near you. On Friday, it was a press night for Maggie May at the Fimbra Theatre. If you saw the interview I did with Cara Lily Hayworth and James Dutch, then you'll know all about this production. And I was so excited to finally get to see it. And boy, does it deliver. I'm Northern, and I grew up watching regional theatre and touring productions. One of my favourites as a kid was Blood Brothers. Now Maggie May is also set in Liverpool and it has that feeling when you watch it. I remembered the first time I saw Blood Brothers. Incredible. Matthew Eilid has excelled himself again. I remember distinctly being impressed by his production of Burnt Park Boys at the Park Theatre. And this production reminded me just why I think he's an incredible director. He knows how to use a small intimate space so that everybody in that audience feels a part of the production and you can see everything that's going on. His attention to detail, the set and lighting is beautiful. And you really feel invested in the show. And it's a great show. This is an amazing thing. It's not been produced commercially in over 55 years. And I can't understand why. Because it's Lionel Bart and it's brilliant. And Cara and James are beautiful together. Absolutely stunning. As again, are all the ensemble. Everybody in this production is perfectly cast and brings it all together. If you saw the interview, James mentions about the choreography and how it just feels really natural and organic. And he's absolutely right. The way the piece flows and the way they move, 
is so natural. This is Fringe Theatre at its best, unearthing a hidden gem that's been lost by time. Honestly, I'm going to try and get to see it again because I liked it that much. Remember, if you want to check out my interview with James and Cara, it's still on my YouTube channel and you can also listen to the audio version on my podcast. In huge casting news, Bianca Del Rio, the winner of Series 6 RuPaul's Drag Race, has been announced to join the cast of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, along with Faye Toza from Steps. I'll actually be chatting to Leighton Williams later this week, so I can't wait to find out what he thinks. On Sunday, I was back at Zadar for Crazy Cox Presents the Music of Rogers and Hammerstein with Christina Beddington, Amara Okureki, Tim Rogers, John Tarsi, and Vicky Lee Taylor. Here are a few songs that they sang. They Evening. When you find your true love, when you feel her call you across a crowded room. I'm just a girl who can't say no, can't seem to say it at all. and the whole cast of hair. Hey, oh, yeah. 